Righto. Well, good morning from my side too. As Sue mentioned, we are tackling our finale, part four of the gospel series. If you've missed the first three weeks, I would strongly encourage you to either go and listen to the podcast or take a look at the videos on YouTube. But before we go any further, I want to ask you to please stand with us. Uh, I want us to pray before we get into the message this morning because I would imagine, hopefully, many of us would know, Jeremy, am I good? Are you happy? If Jeremy's happy, I'm happy. Just so you know, when I put it on, the little red light came on, so I might need to swap mics in a moment if, if necessary. But as much as I'm wanting to share a message with you, far more importantly, I'm wanting us to hear God. I'm wanting us to, to discern His prompting, His invitation. Um, what I'm going to share today could very easily be interpreted through a manipulative lens. Uh, and that could be maybe the way that I communicate it or it could be something in the way that we receive it because of various filters. We don't always see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. And so because of different experiences, we, we may interpret certain things a certain way. And I so desperately want us to actually sense God. I want us to discern anything that He may be pointing out to us, anything that He is inviting us towards. Before we pray, let me, let me just start off with this principle. I heard it said some time ago, and I, I tend to agree, that morality, so in terms of our relationship with God, morality is commanded, but maturity is invited. Morality is commanded, maturity is invited. I don't think God commands us to do all the things that He wants us to do. Uh, I think that He invites us, and I think that we either respond to that invitation, or we ignore that invitation, and today I want us to discern His unique invitation to, to you specifically, wherever it is that you are in your life and in your journey with Him. So Father, before we go any further, we just want to commit ourselves to You, we surrender ourselves to You, and ask Lord that You would give us, spiritually speaking, ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind that understands, and a heart that would actually respond to You. Help us, God, more than my voice to hear Your voice whether it's a whisper, a gentle nudge, a, a recurring thought. Father, please help us to discern your heart, your will, and your way. And help us, please, to say yes. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to follow you. Help us to walk after you as though you were the Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seats. The title of this message is very simply, you matter. You matter. This isn't something that I have preached on many times over the last 20 plus years. In fact, in January, it's going to be 25 years that I've been in full-time ministry in this context, which is, which is a little bit weird. It makes me feel very, very old. And, uh, and, and, and I say that to say that this is not the kind of message that I, that I would share very often, and I feel a particular burden, a particular challenge to actually communicate this and to, and to leave it up to you, between you and God, in terms of God, what do you want next? And the big idea that I want to get across is simply that when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to the church, when it comes to, to fulfilling God's purposes as a part of His body, as a part of His family, as a part of His army, there are so many different metaphors in the Bible, I want you to understand that you matter. Your presence or absence matters. 
whether or not you turn up when you go to work, whether or not you turn up when you go to school, whether or not you turn up when you go home, whether or not you are a non-anxious presence, whether or not you are allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be formed in your life and to overflow around others, whether or not you contribute in the way that God wants you to in your local church, you matter. You matter. And one of the clearest passages of Scripture that I think addresses this is simply found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, where Jesus, the Bible describes, has just been walking through many different towns and villages, and it says that he was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. He cared for the people that he saw that, that were lost, that were disoriented, that were, in fact, he, it, it says that, that he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. They were kind of just wandering around. And then it goes on to quote his words in chapter 9, verse 37, where he says, that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His fields. Today, I'm inviting you to be a worker in His field. We, as a, as a leadership team, we are praying for more workers. We are praying that people will recognize that they matter in the sense of you get to contribute. We, we get to bring gifts, talents, our personality, our presence, our hospitality, our, our skills. We matter. We get to make a difference. What stands out to me in that passage is that I don't feel like the harvest is so much the variable, although, yes, we can argue that not everyone's ripe and not everyone's ready. I, I agree with that, but in this context, he's saying there in, there's enough of a harvest. I believe that God is constant, so we know that God loves people. God loves people more than you could ever imagine. God loves the people you hate. God loves the people that you can't stand. God loves the people you can't tolerate. God loves people. Just so you know, we know that we've created God in our own image when we think God hates all the same people that we do, which hopefully is not, but in case you think that God is repulsive. No, no, God loves people. He's a constant. The only variable is us. The only variable is his children. So, I'm so this is a message that I'm speaking to people who consider themselves to be a son or a daughter of God. People who consider themselves to be followers of Jesus. The only way that he's Lord is if I'm following. And the only way that I'm following is if I'm following, right? Like, he, like I'm actually trying to model my life after him. It's interesting that Jesus didn't actually give hundreds and thousands of instructions. He would do something and then he would say, follow me. He would be patient and compassionate and gracious to a woman that was humiliated publicly. And he'd say, follow me. He would take time out to spend with his father. And he'd say, follow me. He would surrender to the uncomfortable will of the father and say, follow me. He would have meals with people and say, follow me. He would teach and love and pray and serve. He washed his disciples' feet and said, follow me. He didn't make a new law saying, hey, you've all got to wash each other's feet every other week. Because that would be, how many of you would find that incredibly uncomfortable? People had to wash, okay. I'd be first in line to be very uncomfortable. But, but he modeled servanthood and said, follow me. He looked for people and reached out to people. And with compassion, tried to invite people. And he said, follow me. Follow my example. Three very, very simple points today. Number one is that every part matters. Every part matters. Whether or not you are prominent 
or completely invisible, you get to play a significant part. Prominence and significance are not the same thing. Prominence is, is what you see. So my nose might be prominent, but, but, but my heart, my lungs, my kidneys are way more significant, right? I mean, I don't want my nose chopped off, but I could survive. My heart taken out, that's a different story. So, so for the most part, the, the parts of my body that are most significant are actually least visible. Every part matters. And what I am a part of is greater than the part I play. And I think it's only when we have that revelation that what I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. It's only when we have that revelation that, that we can put egos aside, we can put affirmation aside, we can put whether or not people are thanking us aside, and we actually do it for an audience of one, and we, and we are surrendered to a bigger picture, to a bigger mission, and we're able to just be faithful. We are secure. We are... We go back to that passage that we have on the wall, Matthew, 20, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, where, where actually the yoke, relatively speaking, is easy. The burden is light because we're following Jesus. We're doing it the Jesus way. Do you know that the only way to experience the Jesus life is to actually follow the Jesus or model yourself after the Jesus lifestyle? You cannot have the Jesus life without the Jesus lifestyle. And part of his lifestyle was serving, giving, gathering, connecting, that was part of his life. He would, he would make regular time to spend with the Father, to get perspective, to regain you know, a sense of, of purpose for that day. It was his practice every weekend to go to the temple. It was his practice to connect with people. Every part matters. Now, to help kind of emphasize this point, anyone here ever watched Top Gun? The movie Top Gun, Tom Cruise, right? Very exciting, exhilarating Okay, I need a bit more, come on. Put your hand up real high, very quickly. God is watching. Have you watched Top Gun? Okay, put your other hand up if you have never watched Top Gun. I'm giving you permission to find a pirated copy, I don't know, I'm sure you can find something for free, of Top Gun. I'm joking, I'm joking, someone looked horrified. Um, I'm sure you can find a free copy on, online. It was made like over 30 years ago. 19? 1986, so that is... 35 years ago. How many of you were alive in 1986? How many of you were already adults in 1986? Okay, anyway. Scary, eh? Scary, 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 scary. Um, so Top Gun, very, very exhilarating. It's, it's like one of those just, at least from what I remember, I haven't watched it in probably a couple of decades, I guess, but I remember like, like I just thought this was exciting. There was, there was all kinds of action and, and adrenaline. Um, like, I don't know, please forgive me if this, is, if this is stereotypically a guy thing, but there is something about, about a little bit of power, you know? Like, I mean, we were, we were at the traffic light yesterday, and someone in a very, very nice zooped-up Porsche, like, just, he took off. I mean, he could be a jerk, I don't know, but yo, it was like, like, I just, it's like, oh, it's just nice. It's just nice. Hey, Alan, you, you get this, right? It's like, oh, Steve, you can have your golf. I like a fast car. It's like, come on, man, it's just exciting. Um, I know golf can be exciting. I just haven't experienced it yet. Um, anyway, so, so Top Gun is exhilarating, and some of you might have seen that there's a second version coming out. Well, it was actually meant to come out last year, June. So it's, it's, being, delayed. it's being delayed by more than two years. It's going to come out, I think, in May next year. If you haven't seen the promo yet, we want to just quickly give you a little taste of what's coming up, and we're encouraging you to go and watch Top Gun when it comes out early next year. Right? Come on. Who thinks that's exciting? Like there's something exhilarating about just that power. It's like it's cool. It's cool. 
right? It's cool. Like, it's allowed to be cool. There's a lot that's cool anymore, but that's pretty cool. Now, now here's the point that I'm wanting to make in case you're thinking, what on earth could that possibly have to do with the sermon today? Stick with me. A few years ago, I got to visit a retired or decommissioned um, aircraft carrier. It, it had been, to, to my knowledge, the most significant aircraft carrier in the U.S. throughout the 20th century, called the USS Midway. It is docked in San Diego. They've turned it into a museum. And uh, Graham Evans and I were there for a conference a few years back and, and got to spend probably half a day or a day just actually going around this aircraft carrier. And, and I've got it, I don't know if you've ever had experiences where you're almost feeling ministered to, where, where, where like just the, the principles, the parallels are standing out to you so much. In this particular case, I was mindful th- that, that there were a few uh, parts of the, the ship, the display, that were prominent, and those were, for the most part, the pilots and the aircraft, right? So on this particular aircraft carrier, they would have had 200 to 250 pilots, 120 aircraft, okay, 120 aircraft, but well over 4,000, nearly 4,500 crew members. It's not a luxury liner, you don't eat, no, like they don't all have their own cabin, it's not comfortable, they don't have you know, fluffy duvets and everything. People are willing to be uncomfortable because they have a sense of purpose and mission. The average age was 19. What stood out to me is that there were a number of people, just, just, just for example, well over 200 cooks, 650 people involved in the engineering department of keeping this thing going. Cooks would have to provide 13,000 meals a day. People that, that served in the laundry, think about this, they had to help wash a million kilograms worth of laundry every year. The logistics involved are mind-blowing. When, when the carrier was serving during the Gulf War in 1991, at any given moment, 500,000 eggs, so half a million eggs were en route to the ship, just, just to keep replenishing. Over 10,000 cups of coffee a day. The people served in the, the medical department, the cleaning department, the, the, the cooking department, the cleaning. Guys, people, it took, it took a massive, because that's not a small army, it took a pretty massive army to help make sure that 120 planes were, were available and present and able to do what needed to be done in terms of being the, you know, the sharp uh, end of, of the arrow. But but it took everybody playing their part. It would have been noticed. It would have had an effect eventually if people didn't play the part. Think about someone who's not cleaning up an oil spill. Th- those, those planes take off. They, they reach up to 300 kilometers an hour within a little over a second. That's how quickly they, are take, they, they take off as they, or I don't know what they call it, but as you're kind of like whiplashed off, off the carrier. Similarly, they go, down, they go down from 300 kilometers an hour to nothing and also just over a second as they, as they get hooked onto that cable. Imagine some guy is distracted and forgets to put the cable out. I mean, it does happen. Sometimes airplanes go off the other side of the carrier. Imagine, I, uh, I actually thought that the movie was based on the ship, but it wasn't. It's the other way around. There's a movie called Midway. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to get like even more background to the ship, but it wasn't. It's just the Battle of Midway, which was an island, uh, just after Pearl Harbor. Anyway, but, but what stood out to me is that even in the movie, the ship wasn't going fast enough for the airplane to take off. And so, and so they assumed that the, that the aircraft was at a certain speed, so, so the airplane took off like it would normally, but, but because it didn't have enough momentum from the ship, it actually went over the edge. 
So imagine some guy is distracted and not paying attention to the speed limit. The point I'm trying to make is that everybody has a part to play. Your part matters. Like it genuinely, genuinely, genuinely matters. And I think that too often we underestimate the value of our part because it's not as prominent. And so we land up abdicating on the part that we are meant to play. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 says that the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Like this isn't just a pretty metaphor. This isn't just me trying to be creative. No, no, the, the Bible, Paul, one of the early church leaders is writing and saying, no, no, like every part comes together to function as the body. Verse 14 goes on to say, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If your foot says, I am not a part of the body, Think about how many people get, get offended or, 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 or don't feel appreciated enough or, or sufficiently directed and so, and so feel like, well, I'm not a part of the body anymore. And we rob one another. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, so it's comparing and competing, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an ear, I, do you think Paul would have been a little bit sarcastic? I think so. Hey, Erwin, I think he would have, he would have had a little bit of eight in him. Like, he, he, like, I just think sometimes he wanted to really make a point. Like, like, like it's almost bordering on sarcasm. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And the point that, that stood out to me as I was reading this recently again is don't dare say that you are not a part of the body or that you're not necessary. You may not be functioning as a part of the body, but you are a part of the body. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. I am encouraging you, challenging you, and inviting you today to never, ever say that you're not a part of the body. If you're, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a son or a daughter of God, don't ever say that you're not a part of the body or that you're not necessary. I heard this quite a number of years ago from a physiotherapist. And so before I use this as an illustration, I thought, okay, let me just do a bit of research and actually check for myself if this is accurate. And it turns out that the physiotherapist knew what she was talking about and that if you have a missing part of the body, your, your body has to compensate and it actually requires a lot more energy. So, for example, someone who's had their leg amputated just above the knee exerts at least 50 to 65% more energy than if they had that fully functioning limb. If they are walking and, and the, 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 the incline increases by 10%, it further doubles the amount of energy that they have to exert. Is it any wonder that some parts of the body of Christ are exhausted? Because they're having to compensate. Now, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that the parts of the body that are functioning, they need to be securing God 
and not take on more than they're supposed to and actually trust God that, that he will eventually ultimately build his church. So, so that in and of itself should not be a form of manipulation or guilt or pressure on somebody else. But what it does tell me, so there, so there are these two sides, right? It is hard for people that are passionate about God and want to serve his purposes not to overexert themselves. So, so that, because parts of the body are missing and under, and under exercising, so they've got to find their security and identity in God and limits and boundaries and do what God's called them to do when God's called them to do it and actually trust him with the rest of the world. But what it does tell me is that the kingdom of God is built at the pace of his followers. God is not the variable. We are the variable. We are the variable. And his church, capital C church, not View Church, his church, the church of Jesus Christ is built at the, to the extent and at the pace of his people participating, serving, functioning in the, in the part that they are meant to play. Every part matters. Number two, serving is a privilege and not a penance. I can't emphasize this strongly enough. It is a privilege. We've, in fact, we've got it on the back of the wall. It is a privilege to serve his church. You don't earn salvation. You don't earn his love. He can't love you more. He can't love you less. I do believe that I can please him more and please him less. I can obey him more and obey him less, but he can't love me more and he can't love me less, which messes with my head sometimes. So everything, everything that I do, everything I give, every, every act of service, at the very least, it's a response. I cannot, I cannot earn it. I, can, I, don't, I don't get to manipulate God. He doesn't owe me. I'm not doing him a favor. He's not in my debt. Can I say that again? Sometimes Christianity is exactly the same as superstition when people think that, well, I've, I kind of did this for God, now he owes me. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> That's superstition. That's manipulation. That's witchcraft, actually. No, no. He's given, he, he has given me everything. He has, he has offered me freedom. He has offered me forgiveness. He has offered me love. Everything I do is a response. Now, again, that speaks of security. So I don't over-respond. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to overreact. No. God, my answer is yes. What's the question? What are you inviting me to do? Remember, morality is commanded. Maturity is invited. Are you inviting me to contribute in some way? Serving is a privilege, not a penance. Ephesians 2 verse 9 to 10 makes it very clear in verse 9 that it's grace through which we are saved. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. However, verse 10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. In other words, it is a response. We, we walk in response to Him as we, as, we, as, we, as we seek to obey, as we seek to serve, as we seek to give. 2 Timothy 2 verse 21 says that if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. And look at this, you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. I don't know about you, but I would like to be used for a good work. I'm not always in that space. I'd love to tell you that I am. I'm not, I'm not, always, I'm not always where I would like to be with God. I'm not, I'm not always walking in the level of intimacy and vitality that I'd like to be. But, 
But when I'm, when I'm in the right space with God, sheesh, man, why would I not want to give back to God anything and everything that I can? If I love my wife, which I do, next, next month, 22 years of marriage. Why? Like, like, if I see needing to do the dishes or needing to help with shopping or needing to, to do whatever, if I see that as, like a, as a chore or a favor, how many of you know you're not gonna have a very healthy marriage if you are doing your spouse a favor when you just help, right? It's like, I don't know if dads still say this, but like where they used to say, like if they were looking after the kids, like I'm babysitting. Like, they're your kids. Like, you know. um, think about it. When you love someone, when you're loved, when you, when you allow yourself to receive love, it's very hard not to love back. So when you receive and give love, you want to do what you can. It's not, it's not, it's not, out, of, it's not out of duty. It's not, it's not because you're going to get punished if you don't. No, like you, you actually want to. And I'm just saying that I would like to be ready for the master to use for every good work. But, but, but take a look at what it says in verse 21 at the beginning where it says, if you keep yourself pure. Now, this is, we're not talking about perfection, but we are talking about a heart that is trying to grow in God. And the reason I'm saying this is because, again, I think that you could misunderstand what I'm saying and feel like, ugh, crap, it's that thing, you know, where they like want to just force us into roles and I better, I better do something. What can I do? Okay. No, no, no. We actually want people that love God to serve. We actually want people that are not perfect, they don't have their act together, they don't have everything worked out, but their heart is saying, God, I do want to follow you. And so if you, if you when, as you highlight stuff in my life, I'm going to deal with it. What I mean by that is this, this isn't just an, a social club where as long as you're willing to do good, like anything goes. No, I actually think that God is looking for people to represent Him well. So, 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 so if you are ignoring God's prescriptions for morality, remember, Maturity is invited, morality is commanded. If I'm gonna be cheating on my wife, that is gonna disqualify me. Just plain and simple. You can, you can spin it however you like. It is gonna disqualify me from being used by God for a good work. If I'm living with my boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm probably not going to be able to lead teenagers well and help direct them to God's, to God's plan and vision for sexuality. If you, if you are constantly finding ways to commit fraud but get away with it, you know, all these acceptable things, um, or, or, or you're an aggressive, bullying, well, then that's a lordship question. That's a followership question. That's a surrender question. That is a, that is a morality question and a maturity question. So, so I'm just trying to balance, <laughs> balance this out a little bit where I'm saying that Every part really does matter. Your part matters, but it is also a privilege. You are not doing God a favor. I am not doing God a favor. No, no, I'm trying to obey Him. And that includes me surrendering my life to Him. Carte blanche, God, you get to point out anything. You're God, and I want to be responsive to that. Last point is that there is space. There is so much space to serve God's purposes. Trust me. The fact, the fact that church, churches continue to run and, and have survived what has been a very weird, challenging 19 months, the fact that you'll see people on stage, the fact that you've got people in the cafe and the car park and kids and all, it doesn't mean that there isn't, there is so much space. There is so much space for us to serve and create more space for people to come. Can I say that again? There is so much space for us to serve and facilitate more space for people to come. Why would God send another couple of hundred people 
if we can only look after another 10. Like, I've often asked myself, and I've spoken to our leaders about, like, hey, if you were God, would you give you more, like, another 50 people? Would you give you, an, would, 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 if I were God, would I give me another 100 people to look after right now? Can we look after the ones that we have sufficiently? Like, serve, lead, help, pastor, you know, walk with. If not, well, then maybe we need to work on the systems. Maybe we need to work on, on recruiting and, and equipping people. If we can't put 500 or 1,000 people into small groups where they could be looked after or into teams with healthy leaders, why, 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 why would God give us another 500 people or 1,000 people or 200 people? So what I'm saying to you is that there is space. There is space to contribute, to participate everywhere in the church. There is space for people who love children and, and actually can, can see a, a sense of purpose and vision in terms of helping create a safe environment for, for preschoolers, for tots that, that can come and, and have fun and enjoy themselves. And they don't see this as an opportunity to, to preach 15 different principles. Then no, no, they're three. Just be nice. Just love them. Have fun. Play games. Keep them safe. Don't let them hurt each other. Like, okay, there's space for people like that. There are, there's so much space for people to serve with our primary school age children, where, where, whether you're a teenager, a young adult, a dad, a granddad. What a blessing. Do you know how many kids are needing a dad in their lives? A lot, a lot. There are a lot of kids that come to us that have, in some cases, no parents, no parents. We have a lot of kids that come that have no parents. I remember the one night we had, we had a, a little girl come to our evening service and we have this principle that, 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 a, that a parent has to at least sign an indemnity or, 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 or give permission for the child to be here if they're not with them in the hall. So. Th- so the people that were checking them in, try to contact the family, try to contact the family, try, eventually managed to get hold of the mom who was in the Eastern Cape. This is a girl, I don't know how old she was. Tammy, do you remember? Maybe seven, eight. Like, like it was a young girl at home by herself. I, the point I'm trying to make is that there's space for people that, that, that don't have to be prominent, but they want to be significant in the sense of, can I just add value? Can I just contribute? Can I? And by the way, and by the way, they're not looking for quick returns. No, no, like it's long-term. If you wanna make any difference in anyone's life, it's, it's through consistency. It's through turning up again and again and again and again and again and again and again. When they're going through a tough time, it is, it is actually turning up and being present. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that we have so many people in our church that have done that over the last 18 months, where they've turned up for people that have been in pain, that have not had food, that have been knocked over and landed up in hospital. There is space. There is space for helping check people in. So people that that can be friendly, that can smile with their eyes because you have a mask on your face, but can actually look friendly and that can help help people feel relaxed and secure as they check. Do you know how intimidating it is if you're checking your kids in for the first time and you're you're just hoping that these people are safe and secure, it helps when you have reliable people that can do that. How many of you are grateful that we have wonderful people making coffee and, and refreshments every week? Because I am. I love coffee. I need coffee. That, that we have guys that are looking after the vehicles and directing traffic. That we have hosts that, 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 that in spite of there having been a rapture of a lot of their team members, are faithful and serving every single week and, and trying to do the best they can. There's space. I'm just saying there's space. There's space for many more people to serve behind the sound desk, behind the projections computer, behind the lighting desk. There is space for people to serve in the worship team. 
There is space for people that, 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 that actually enjoy music, that can play an instrument, or maybe you can sing. If you can't, we'll tell you. That's okay. Love us anyway. But, but guys, I'm just telling you that, that, that there is space. And at the threat of sounding manipulative, which I promise you before God, I don't want to do. I'm just telling you that there are people that are a little bit tired because they are having to overexert because they're having to run with prosthetics. I'm just saying that there is space. Please take a look under your chair. There should be a little puzzle piece. Just a piece of a puzzle. If you don't have it, I'm so sorry. It's because we don't have enough hosts, so maybe that's a place to help out next week. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that was deliberate. I don't know. <laughs> did, did, did we put more out for the service as far as you know? Okay. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Just find another chair with a puzzle piece. All right. Now, now I, I want you to notice a couple of things. That puzzle actually has an image on both sides. I especially looked for a double-sided puzzle. I didn't know whether or not we got those. I just Googled it and found one from Take A Look. So there, there is an image on both sides of this puzzle. I want you to notice that because I believe that, that you have a part to play in at least two different areas. One is where you are most of the time. That's at work, school, home, the community, etc. The other part is I really, see, I don't think it should have to be either or. I really do think that for most people, that, that's actually a conviction I've come to, that I think for most people, there is something, some way to contribute in your local church. So, you, so, so, so I want you to understand that if we put this puzzle together without your piece, it's going to be missing, right? Something else to notice is that you have no idea what that puzzle piece is, right? You'd have to be prophetic to have any idea what that, what that piece of the puzzle makes up. Do you want to see what it makes up? If everyone actually were to put their pieces of the puzzle together, all right, this is what it makes up. Just a bunch of puppies, that's all I could find. But this is, this is, this is actually the, this, this is the picture I couldn't find anything more masculine, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's the only double-sided puzzle that I could find. Okay, people are getting distracted. Take the, take the puppies off the, off the screen, go ahead. Are you trying to find your piece of the puzzle? Okay, so think about that. Think about that, think about that. Do you know how many people will wait until they can see exactly where their piece fits before they're willing to try and fit themselves? If you've ever built a puzzle I mean, like, again, you'd have to be prophetic to put it into the perfect place first time. What do you do? You put it here, you put it there, you put it there, you try it here, you try it there, you try and change the picture if you have to to make it a different picture because it's not, it doesn't make sense yet. So why are we so worked up when we try something once and we think, Ugh, it didn't really energize me. That's obviously not the right. No, try it. Try a different fit. Try a different place. Guys, it's, it is only as we come together that we can actually see, I think, the, the vision of God actually coming to be. My goal is simply this. It is to invite you. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I know there's a fine line between inspiration and manipulation. I am convinced that God is extending an invitation to people. If it's through manipulation, it'll be so short-lived. You'll, you'll get over it within a day or a week or a month. It doesn't last long. It doesn't bear fruit. Manip manipulation will never bear fruit. So what I'm gonna ask you to do, I mean, there might be some people that have been thinking about it already, and so today was maybe just that final little confirmation. Okay, I'll, I'll make myself available and, and serve wherever I can. That's great. There's a response card under the chair. You can scan your phone over the, 
QR code on the chair in front of you and just, just tick the Dream Team tab. Someone will get hold of you this week and find out where you want to maybe experiment with and, and start. But for most people, for most people, you need to actually think about this. But I do want to encourage you not to leave it as a good intention. I'm going to ask you to actually pray about it, think about it for the next 24 hours, and at the most, I'd say 48 hours. Because statistically speaking, my understanding is that anything over 72 hours is just not going to happen. It's just going to become a great intention, and it just drifts off in the mist. So I want you to stand with me, please, as I read one more passage of Scripture to you. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, and, and it's actually Paul writing to a congregation in the context of giving financially. That's not what I'm talking to you about today, although I absolutely believe that our finances and our resources, our gifts, our, us, is, that, is, that is the pace at which the kingdom develops. But in the context of what I'm talking about today, where we turn up, where we play our part, where we are willing to contribute, listen to this very important principle that Paul is getting across. He says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. It cannot be just because I'm pressuring you. And of course I realize that some people would feel pressure. I, I, I do, I get that. But I'm asking you to try and resist that and for that not to be the only reason that you try and fill a gap temporarily. No, no. Decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You're not gonna be a blessing if you're turning up resentfully. You're gonna be a blessing if you're turning up cheerfully. If you're like, this is a privilege, holy smokes, you mean I get to play some part, what I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play? That, that kind of attitude, which is a kingdom attitude, is a kingdom culture, it's a kingdom value, that makes a difference. Yeah, well, Jason, like, I don't know if I'm, if I'm qualified to do anything. The only thing, honestly, sincerely, the only thing we're looking for is, is a humble, teachable heart. Any age, people in their 40s and 50s need people in their 60s and 70s and 80s to be parents to them and grandparents to them and help them. So, deliberate moment for pause just to get you to think a little bit what was I saying see no one knows that's how encouraging it is to actually to actually play a prominent but insignificant role in the church oh yeah 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 I was saying you know it doesn't matter what, it, what, what age you are but but our hearts do matter our hearts do matter. So not thinking we're doing anyone a favor, it matters. Being, being willing to actually live as a child of God as I deal with moral issues in my life, that does matter. If, you're, if you have an attitude that's teachable and humble, which means that if we say, look, I actually don't think that that's the right fit for you, you're not offended, you have, a, you have thick skin but a soft heart. Not a thin skin and an easily offended heart. Attitude matters. We can, you'll be amazed at what can be done with people that just have the right attitude. So all I'm asking you to do, if you're, not, if you're not comfortable that you could actually make a commitment today, is I'm asking you to give it 24 hours at the most 48 to actually think about it and then contact us. Go to the website, just, just click on the connect with us button or 
email us at mullinton at viewchurch.co.za. But I really do think that God is wanting more and more people to actually participate. I want to end off with a quote that I've read, I think, more than once before in church, but I just think that it so powerfully depicts the attitude that God is looking for in us. It says, because God has called me to serve my generation, which He has, by the way, I will value worship over wealth, we over me, character over comfort, service over status, and God's purposes over possessions, positions, popularity, and pleasure. Think about this attitude. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime, anywhere. And just so you know, I don't think anyone's ever made a significant difference without there being a cost involved. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin. Come on, isn't that the attitude that you want to live with? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us to discern. Maybe there is an issue of morality in our lives that you're commanding us to address. But Father, for so many, I think that there would be areas of maturity or, or generosity or servanthood where you're inviting us. Help us to discern your voice. Help us to discern your heart. And God, help us not to get distracted, not to leave it as a good intention that maybe we'll get to one day. Help us to say yes. Help us to follow you diligently. Help us to surrender fully and help us to play the part that you've called us to play in this season, knowing that this season will lead to next season and the next and the next. Help us just to actually trust you, God, as we partner with you and do what we can. God, I pray against any sense of shame, guilt, pressure, manipulation, anything that is unhealthy, God. Rather, I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray for, for a healthy sense of season in terms of where people are at, um, that people would be okay with the fact that they have different capacities at different seasons, different stages of life. Where, where people are married, let them, let them exercise wisdom in, in what they share with one another and how they either encourage one another or give each other perspective or, or maybe just release each other, whatever the case is. But God, I pray that all around we would be responding to your voice and that we would actually care about building your kingdom. God, that, that, that we would use this life to do whatever it is that you've called us to do that will matter for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.